0: Last night, and um, if you were here for the first night and not the second night, you're probably wondering what the total was. So I can report to you that it was over fifty thousand. Oh. Fantastic, isn't it? So we're really, we're really thanking the Lord for that, and uh, it's very much consistent with, with with what we have been doing over the years. And again, I just want to just say what a joy and a privilege it is to be partnered. And partner with a church like this. um, It's it's great. Fantastic. So thank you. Thank you so much for being a part of that. And the other thing I'm really amazed at is the number of people who are in church this morning considering how cold it is outside. So congratulations to all of you. In fact, tell the person beside you, good job. Glad to see you here. So last week we talked about uplifting each other and pointing each other to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us clearly that we're supposed to build each other up in the faith, to encourage one another, and to point people to God. And at our small group last week, we had uh, Shauna bring her guitar and we sang some songs together. And we just uh, had a wonderful time of building one another up. I got um, an interesting email after the service last week, after my message on uplifting each other, building each other up. And I want to share it with you. It says, Hey, Pastor Allen." Just couldn't help but feel like emailing you and letting you know I can't stop thinking about your sermon and this whole small group thing. It was so awesome, but mostly because it's true. Now listen to this. I haven't felt so loved by a community of believers, let alone anyone, before. I know I've done some crazy stuff, but I feel accepted and loved by Cross Church. I guess it's hard to trust at first, but I can't stop thinking about it, and it is awesome. I'm really excited about small groups. It's just awesome, and I can tell it's real. So this morning, what we want to talk about is um, providing care for each other. And, and this, this phrase in this email, I haven't felt so loved by a community of believers, let alone anyone before, really sums it up. The Bible c- clearly calls us to be a people that care for one another. Now, the problem is that so often we forget that our job is not just to come to church, sing a few songs, put a few bucks in the offering plate and go home and it's all over and we've sort of been kind to God and kind to the church and that's all we need to do. We've said this over and over again. The Christian life is about relationship with God and relationship with one another. Most churches are really good, or quite good, at getting it right in this relationship with God. But we... Don't always get it right and and, and tend to be quite weak in this area of being kind to one another, of caring for each other, of taking care of one another. And here's the thing. If you and I understand what care is, it will revolutionize how you live your life. When we talk about caring for each other, we must understand that to care for somebody means to be interested in them. That's That's the dictionary definition of care. It's to be interested, to be concerned. It means that you uh, are even maybe anxious about the well-being of your brother or sister. This is what care is. In fact, the New Testament describes the church as a caring community. I'd like you to take a look at this scripture verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 24 to 26. And it says this, God has made the body so more care is given to the parts that need, uh, need it the most. By the way, as Sergio was talking there about the work that is done through Village of Hope, uh, really, it's all about believers caring for these people who need it the most. And by the way, that's, that's what we do here in this community. We care for those who need it the most. Let's go on. Verse 25. This is so the body will not be divided into parts. Now, just again, I want to stop for a moment. Do you know that there was a time in in the church world, in the church life, where Christians were very, very much divided along socioeconomic lines? So in other words, if you were the wealthy people that went to church, uh, and this is going to sound funny to you, but you actually got to have the front rows. The front rows belonged to the rich people. I think in 2014 it would be the other way around. The rich people get the back rows. But you get the idea. The rich people were singled out. They had the best seats in the house. In fact, in, in many churches, this is going to be hard to believe, you actually had your name on the pew, on the pew, on the row that you were sitting in. So, for, you know, for instance, if, if Hank and Ann you know, were wealthy people and, uh, and, and they had the dough, that would be their row, and they would decide who gets to sit in their row, and their name would be on it. It's, it's unbelievable. It's hard to believe that that happened. But, folks, it happened all over the world, And it happened particularly um, uh, in the West. This is so the body will not be divided into parts. There's not supposed to be division among us. We're supposed to be a, a group of people that really care for one another. All the parts care for each other. If one part of the body suffers, all the other parts suffer with it. If one part is given special care, then the other parts are happy. Now, I just want to remind everybody that that this uh, this description of the church is uh, you know is, is a metaphor for what we're supposed to be. We're a body of believers. Each one of us is a part in the body. You've heard me say this hundreds of times. Each of us has a special part to play. Each of us is different. We're not all the same. We all have something special to offer. We all have our special, uh, special needs. We all have our uh, special contributions. We all have our special gifts. But the bottom line to, to, to who the church is and how it operates is that we are ultimately a group of people who care for each other. So the next time somebody asks you, what is the church anyway? Well, you say, well, that's easy. It's a group of people that loves Jesus and cares for each other. That is a, a beautiful, brief definition of what the church is. We're just a group of people that love Jesus and love each other. We care for one another. So this morning what I want to talk about is I want to talk about this, the necessity of learning to care for each other, because that is what we're about. So before we go any further, we just need maybe a bit of a reality check, because I think all of us understand this morning that just because we say we care doesn't necessarily mean that We care. We, we talk about caring, but oftentimes it may be, it may be very much uh, something that we do, but our heart's not in it. Can I just say this about caring? The definition of caring requires some sort of love, some sort of emotional connection, some, some sort of sacrifice involved. Let me give you uh, an illustration of what I mean. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to a restaurant you arrive there, and the people who are there to, uh, that are hired to provide care for you in that restaurant, we call them waitresses or waiters. Now, have you ever been to a restaurant? Um, you sit down, and the girl comes to you. She's frazzled. She's busy. Her job is to care for you. She, she knows that she's supposed to smile, and so, she, so you get one of these. <laughs> you know it's not a real smile, but you know she's just, she's got to do it because that's her job. And then she begins to serve you, and you're already feeling like you're not really wanted there because it's busy or whatever. Maybe it's closing time, I don't know. She serves you what you ask for. You ask her, please, can I have another cup of coffee? And now you, you, she acts like you've asked her to give you know, her first child to you or something. She's really, really annoyed because you've asked for something. You know what I'm talking about. And so we, we, we have this hypocrisy going. Where this person who's there to care for us is not really caring about us. They're there to serve us, but they don't really care about us. Now, it's interesting. Almost every business, they try to communicate to those that they would like to have come to their business. They like to communicate that we care about you. And the fact of the matter is, is that so often we don't. We don't really care. Because here's the thing about caring. It's sometimes very easy to pretend. It's sometimes very easy to act like we care. But in, in actuality, we don't care at all. I went shopping uh, at Sears in the States. And I uh, found the kind, of, the kind of shoes I like to wear. Um, I've, it's what I'm actually got on right now. Some Merrells. And uh, I went to the shop and I said, you know what? I, I, I like, love these shoes. Do you have them in my, in my style, my size? I want black and a uh, certain kind of heel on them, et cetera. And the guy without missing a beat said, no, we're all out of them. I said, could you just go back and check for me? Would you, could you do that? And it was, it was like this. <sighs> Has anybody ever got one of those? <laughs> okay. okay. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's... <sighs> and to the back he goes. And he comes back, his face is beet red, and he's got exactly what I've asked for. No apology, nothing It's but an excuse. And some might even call it a lie. Oh, they were hiding behind, and I didn't see, and you know what I'm talking about. Now, his job is to care for me, to care for the customer. So you got to wonder, how much business is that company losing because of this employee that doesn't care? Back in uh, September the 19th, 2008, uh, there's a man by the name of Brian Sinclair, and this has been all over the news, in, on, on national news. He, uh, he went to the Health Sciences Center, and while he was there, he um, uh, was asked just to wait in the emergency. He had a bladder infection caused by some, some problem with his catheter. Um, but he spent a full 36 hours uncared for and eventually died in his wheelchair. Now, it's, it's, it's ironic when you think of the fact that the people who are there are called health care workers, and somehow he slipped between the cracks, and we see the tragedy of his death all over the news, simply because... People didn't care. Now, it's, it's in the court. They're still fighting it. They're still talking about it. And here's one of the things, one of the conclusions they came to. That some of the healthcare workers had some prejudiced assumptions about this man. And it was for that reason they thought it would be best just to let him sit there and get over whatever it is that he's going through. They thought he was drunk. And he died in the very place in the very place in this city where people are supposed to be cared for. Now, it's easy for us to cluck, click our tongues, you know, and say, just can't believe that! how terrible this is. But you know what? We're all guilty of this. We're all guilty of not caring. We do it all the time. And so it's very easy to point fingers and, and to be outraged but when we stop to consider how we treat people, we have to ask ourselves a question. Do we really care or do we pretend? You know, we, uh, we've, all, we've all had those moments when maybe at church you see someone coming towards you that you don't really want to talk to and you dodge them. You make a beeline, you get around them because you know that if you get talking to that person, you'll never get away from them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or that person who's got long, long stories to tell. And you sit there, you stand there, whatever, and you sort of half-listen to whatever it is that they're pouring out to you. Because you know that every time you see them, you're going to hear a long, long story. We're not really caring. We don't really care. We're just sort of half-listening and hoping that this will soon end. Or maybe you come to church a few weeks in a row and you see there's certain people that you know should be in church, but they've been missing. And you think to yourself, I should really phone him. I really should phone her and see where she is and what she's doing. But we don't. We think, well, somebody else will do it. Now remember, we are defined as a group of people that care for each other. And I'm going to tell you this. Sometimes caring, well, from my experience, caring always includes some sort of sacrifice. You've got to give of your time. You've got to give of your energy. You've got to give your attention. And sometimes you have to give your money or sometimes you have to give something. But that's what caring is. What do you, you think about yourself this morning? What would you say you are like? Are you a carer or are you one of those people that Tries to avoid that. Now, I know, I know, I know, I know that you've got some really good reasons why you don't care or why you feel like you don't have time to share or time to give. We're really experts at making excuses for ourselves. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? You know, I'm tired, I don't feel well, I'm sick, or I listened last week, or it's somebody else's turn. Um, I wonder what would happen if, when we went to prayer and asked God to care for us, God said, you know, I don't think I'm going to care this time because, you know, I cared yesterday for you and I think, you know, I need a break today. So, you know, you're on your own today. I'll care about you maybe tomorrow or maybe next week. Check in with me next week and maybe then I'll care for you. Can you imagine if God treated us the way we treat one another? Wow. Wow. Have you noticed that, uh, that we often have double standards? We become indignant and even angry when people don't care for us. Have you noticed that? God help us in our hypocrisy. It's so easy, isn't it, to get angry and indignant. People haven't cared about me. People don't love me. People haven't called me. People haven't taken care of me. And yet, really, we're just reaping what we're sowing. God has called us to be a group of people that love one another, that care for each other. And the way that you and I are going to especially experience that kind of care that our hearts need is by learning what it means to give, what it, mean, what it means to make the sacrifice in caring for others. And I'm going to tell you this, so, so many of us don't really understand this message of, of Christianity. We don't really understand what it means to be a follower of Christ. Here's what many, many people think. I am really spiritual, If I know all the books of the Bible off by heart, if I can quote scripture verses, if I maybe learn the the scriptures in the original language, if I can speak Greek, wow, I'm, I'm really spiritual. You can understand all the mysteries, and you can give great loads of money to the work of God, but Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, the first three verses You can do all these great and magnificent things, but but at the end of the day, if you don't really love or care for people, Paul tells us it's all worthless. We're talking about real spirituality, a true spirituality, a spirituality that Jesus would identify as true spirituality. Back in 1966, anthropologist Edward T. Hall introduced the notion of personal space. Has that anybody anybody know what I'm talking about? Personal space. We, we've heard of that. It's sort of what we call the bubble around us. It's a, it's a certain amount of space that, that we reserve for ourselves. And we don't want anybody entering into our personal space. We want them to stay outside of that. And we feel comfortable as long as people keep their distance. So in his book, he identifies this thing called personal space. The name of the book, by the way, is Hidden Dimension. Personal space is the region surrounding a person which they regard as psychologically theirs. Most people value their personal space and feel discomfort or anger and even anxiety when their personal space is invaded. Now you may remember back uh, a few years ago, uh, maybe even as, as early as a year ago, we always had the, the, the practice of shaking hands with one another. Everybody know what I'm talking about? It's to shake hands with people. But here's what happened. We found that a lot of people who were visiting or were not used to church found that that moment in the service was a very, it caused great anxiety. It was a very anxious time. And some people, we discovered, would not actually come to the service until that point of the service was over. And so for that reason, we, we suspended it. We, we thought, we're going to put that on the shelf for a while and see if anybody knows, notices it. Well, in fact, people did notice it, and people actually have thanked me and said, you know what, I, I, I just can't handle that, that part of the service where I'm forced to shake hands with people, or I'm forced to get into other people's personal space and where people are entering into my personal space. I can't do that. So we, we thought, well, we'll put that on hold, and we'll find another way to show that we really care for each other. Now, it's interesting, if you look at church history, you'll discover that that shaking hands with one another at some point during a church service was actually part of, of historical services through the centuries. They called it passing the peace. Not the peace pipe, just the peace. Where we went and shook hands and say, hey, it's good to see you, nice to see you today, whatever. Now, the reason we do that is because Jesus has called us to care for one another. That's the mark of the early church. But until a person is used to that, it's overwhelming. So what we what we do here now is we let people get used to the idea of getting to know each other. And if they once they feel comfortable when they're in the atrium and having coffee, they can shake hands and connect at that at that place. The thing that you and I need to understand about Christ's teaching is that it is absolutely revolutionary. Whereas before, we had our commandments, where we were taught how to treat each other. Don't lie to each other. Don't cheat each other. Don't, don't steal from one another. Don't commit adultery. Don't covet your neighbors, anything. Just don't do that. Treat each other well. Jesus comes along, and he takes it to all to a brand new level. He actually, now you're ready for this. He actually calls us to go into each other's personal space. We're actually called to begin to care for one another, another, to enjoy an intimacy with each other. This is the revolutionary teaching of Jesus Christ. He calls us to connect with one another. And so that's why we read verses in the New Testament that say things like this. Greet each other with a holy kiss. Now, you'll be really happy to know we don't do that here. The only holy kiss I give is to my wife. But this, by the way, this is Christianity. This is authentic Christianity. And Jesus teaches us how to make that connection, to get into each other's space, to enjoy that connection. And here's the thing. Many people are are frightened of that. They're afraid of what that means. But here's what I have discovered over the years, is that when people learn how to connect, when people learn how to care for each other, when people begin to enjoy that intimacy with one another, they discover they can't live without it. How many times people said to me over the years, you know, Pastor Allen, you know, I, was just, I just really, really was afraid of that time of the service when we shake hands. But once I got involved in the church and once I asked Jesus into my life and once I started really following him, that became my favorite time of the service, just to go and hug people. Well, that could be quite overwhelming if you're visiting, you're getting hugged by people you don't know. So here's, here's the thing. We do have a place for you to enjoy that kind of intimacy. We call it a small group. It's a place where you and I care for one another, where we enjoy that kind of intimacy that our hearts crave. And you, again, you've heard me talk about this time and again, that, that, that third level of need that every human being has, that, that need for connection, that need for intimacy, that, e- that need to be loved and cared for. It's the way of Christ. I want to share with you uh, um, what Jesus taught us about caring for one another if you go to Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37, we find that Jesus is confronted by one of the religious leaders of his day, and the religious leader, um, he, wants to, he wants to get some instruction and guidance from Jesus, and Jesus knows that this, uh, that this fellow is really just trying to justify his life, and trying to make excuses for the way that he lives his life. And so here's, a, here's what it says here in Luke chapter 10, verse 25. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by testing him with this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? I like the way Jesus just throws it right back into his court. And the man answered, well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus said to him, do this, and you will live. And then it says in verse 29, the man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Love your neighbor as yourself. Who's my neighbor? Now, what I'm going to share with you right now is probably one of the most profound things that we find in the scripture. Jesus demonstrates to this religious leader, this religious teacher, he demonstrates to him what true spirituality is. Can I just say this? Many of us have a wrong understanding, a a wrong idea of what true spirituality really is. But Jesus captures it for us beautifully, this parable. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. Maybe some of you are aware of that. In that parable, we see what true, genuine spirituality is. The story goes like this. A Jewish man is, is walking along, and he's robbed, he's mugged, he's beat up, and he's left for dead on the side of the road. And Jesus says a priest is walking by, sees this man, thinking that he's dead, keeps walking right on by. One of his own kinsmen, a priest, a priest, in case you don't know, is the one in Israel who offered up sacrifices on behalf of the Jewish people to atone for their sins. And the priest sees this guy and he says, I, you know, I'm a priest, I can't touch dead things, so I better keep going. Wow. Doesn't even stoop down to check the guy's pulse to see if he's alive. And then Jesus says another guy comes walking along. He's, he's a Levite. And Levites, by the way, in case you don't know, were the people that worked in the temple, serving the priests, taking care of temple matters. They were the ones that helped facilitate sacrifices, that sort of thing. So again, Jesus is, t- is singling out two very spiritual, spiritual people, people who really know the law of God, know the truth, people whose lives are dedicated to God. And these are the two people that didn't even stop to check to see if this guy is still alive. And so the priest walks by, the Levite walks by. And then Jesus says a Samaritan comes along. Now the thing that you need to know about a Samaritan is that he's a half breed. He's half Jewish and half something else, and he's despised. He's hated by the Jewish people. Nobody likes a Samaritan because he's not a he's not a full blood. He's a half blood. Sounds like something from Star Wars, but and here it is. Here's this half-blood, stops, sees this guy on the side of the road, looks like the man's dead, but the Samaritan stoops down and checks the guy's pulse, and lo lo and behold, the guy's still alive. And what does he do? He tends to his needs right there on the spot. He cares for this man. And he loads him up and takes him into the local town, brings him to an inn. Tells the innkeeper, look, meet all this man. Says, Feed him, take care of him, get the doctor in here, get full-time nursing, take care of him, and I will provide for him. I will pay the bill. I will. And if, if, if it costs more than what I'm leaving behind, next time I'm back in town, I'll make up the difference. Jesus says this is what it means to really care for one another. This is what true spirituality is. And so many of us have gotten the wrong idea of what spirituality is. We think maybe the priest is the spiritual one because he knows God, and he's a fabulous teacher of the truth. He's a great expositor, and he knows the truth. He knows the original languages, and he's delved into the deep mysteries of God. Jesus says that's not the spiritual one. We think the Levite is the spiritual one because he works around the temple all the time. In fact, his whole life is devoted to God and to the work of God. In fact, the Bible says that for the Levite, the Levite would not inherit any property because his inheritance was God himself. and So he therefore must be spiritual, but Jesus says, no, that's not the spiritual one. The one who is truly spiritual, the one who is truly godly, is the one who reaches out and cares for others. Now, here's the thing. So many of us have heard snippets of this kind of a message through the years, and it's rattling around in our head, but we, we don't really understand that true spirituality is a spirituality that actually acts out what Jesus is teaching us here. It's to care for one another. This past week I heard an interview of a fellow, it's a fellow that invented hot yoga. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. But he describes himself as the most spiritual man one of the most spiritual men alive today, he calls himself a yogi, not Yogi Bear, a yogi who's responsible for this teaching and for this yoga, this hot yoga. Can I just tell everybody today, you may think yourself spiritual, you may call yourself spiritual, you may think you're spiritual because you've been in church every Sunday, you never missed a Sunday, you give faithfully, you tithe, and on and on and on. But Jesus defines spirituality like this you got to care for each other. This is why we are involved with Village of Hope. And this is why we have, once we started this, we haven't stopped. Because this is what defines us as being spiritual people, of making a difference in this world. This is why we're involved with, with Hope for the Island and with Alden ragunath and his Agape teaching ministries. This is why we do this. This is why we ask people to come midweek to be part of Kids Club. Because it's in caring for people that we are most like Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so my question to you today is this. Are you caring for people? Do you care for people? Some people think the only, only people who can really be spiritual are people who've been to Bible school or the people who've been, uh, been in the church for many years. I had, uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron and uh, Jared Iwanchuk asked me just uh, Last week, as we were setting this up, they were busy working here. And Jared said, when do we get to the place where we're no longer newbies? Because they're, you know, they're relatively new. They got saved. They got baptized. And now they're involved. They said, How, are we still newbies? I said, no. As soon as you start decorating for one of these, you're no longer a newbie. You're an old hand. You're with us. You're stuck with us. Every Sunday, they're out in the cafe serving coffee in the cafe. Everywhere and anywhere they can, they're they're there to serve. They're to care. Folks, this is what true spirituality is. It's not that you have memorized great big patches of the Bible, but that you care, that you sign up to help, that you're saying, hey, I can still get to the mission field. I want to go. I want to take a trip. I want to do what I can to make a difference. I was so thrilled that these kids on the platform yesterday and number, a number of them went to Costa Rica last year, and now they're at it again to raise money to go again. And it was young Scott Moyer who said, after going to Costa Rica, I was wrecked. I, wrecked. Life could never be the same again. He wants to go back and do it again. This time he's going to the Philippines. What is this all about? Listen, true spirituality, folks, is caring for people. It's that simple. And some of us, we think, well, this is too simple. I want something more profound. Listen, when you stop to think and to reflect and start to do what Jesus says, then you begin to understand how very profound this teaching is. You begin to understand that the body of Jesus Christ, this body that cares for each other, is a miracle in this world. Did you know that? Because by nature, we are so self-centered. By nature, we don't care for one another. We can can respect one another by not lying to each other or stealing or cheating or, or whatever. But going that next level where we enter into each other's space and begin to care for each other, that's revolutionary teaching. That's profound teaching. That's spiritual teaching. I've seen Pentecostal services where man, everybody's just whooping it up, and it's like we think that's spiritual. I'm going to tell you right now, it might be. There might be something spiritual happening there if people are being cared for. That's that's a pretty radical statement for a Pentecostal pastor to say in a Pentecostal church. But what makes us spiritual is that we take the time to care for each other. By picking up the phone and saying, hey, I didn't see you in church on Sunday, are you okay? That's spiritual. By finding out someone's in the hospital and you go and have a visit, that is spiritual. You know, we as Protestants, we, we, we love to brag about how spiritual, spiritual we are and that we are so much more spiritual than the Catholics. We've inherited so many of the Roman Catholic ways that we don't even know it. We think that only the priests can care for the dying. Only the priests can care for the sick. Only the priests can care for those in need. And we do the same thing, folks. We think it's the pastor that's got to get the job done. Can I tell you something right now? There's no way that I can personally care for everybody in this church. But we can care for each other. And we can care for each other really well. And by the way, can I just tell you this? The notion that only the pastor can care for sick people or people in need or care for people who need caring, it's just not a biblical idea. To be truly spiritual means that you and I look out for one another. That you and I are willing to take that that step of entering into each other's space to help and love one another. Now I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to be honest with you, it's not easy. I've been doing this for 30 years and I still feel sometimes uncomfortable, and sometimes it, it, it's, it's difficult. And someone will say, well, you, can you go up and visit my great aunt, so-and-so, she's dying of cancer, and I don't know who this person is. I've never met her before, and, this, and you know, this, I'm asked to go and visit this person. I get phone calls I've got a, I'm from Thunder Bay or wherever. I've got somebody in the hospital in Winnipeg. Can you go and visit them? Can you go and care for them? I'm going to tell you, I don't always feel like doing that. That might come as a shock. Maybe I'm not as spiritual as you think I am. But I go because I have to, because that's what Jesus calls me to do. And I visit with people I don't know, and I hold a hand, and I offer a prayer in Jesus' name. I give a hug in Jesus' name, and a heart has been ministered to. A life has been touched by Jesus Christ. Folks, that's what it means to be spiritual. I'm going to tell you, the most caring people here are the most spiritual people here. You can speak in tongues. You can prophesy. You can, uh, you can have titles in front of your name. You can been to Bible school. It doesn't mean anything if you don't care. Listen to this fantastic email I got last week. During the week, actually. Hi, Pastor Allen. What I want to say is hard for me to put into words, but here's my best shot. Now, this person was at our small group last week, and we sang Amazing Grace. And she says, every time I hear Amazing Grace, I just get filled with so much emotion. Before I became a Christian, it used to be just words that really didn't mean a lot. But now I feel that, I'm, that I really am important. And there is a God who accepts me for who I am and loves me. I really was blind, looking for acceptance and love from my own family, but it was just under my nose and didn't realize it until I met you, Gloria, and then mentions another name. I'm so thankful you are all in my life. Our small group is so warm and loving, and just to know you all love and pray for me means a lot. Thank you all for letting me be part of your family. I'm sure I would have cried if I had said anything tonight. But thank you again. God bless you, your sister in Christ. This is Christianity. And this is what it means to be spiritual. So here's what I want to challenge you to do today. Would you reach out to somebody and express some sort of care for them? Maybe it will be a handshake out there, not in here. Buy them a free coffee. (laughs) Is there somebody missing today? Give them a call. And when you call, don't condemn or judge. Say to them, it was an awfully cold day. I could see why you might have missed today. Give them a call. Haven't seen you for a day or two. Haven't seen you for a week or two. If there's an elderly person, you know, that's all on their own, give them a call and say, is there anything I can do for you in this cold? Do you need anything? This is what true spirituality is. If you see some of the staff running around here, feeling like, or looking like they're harried and worn out, offer them a hand. Ask, do you need help taking down the decorations today? You were wondering how I was going to get that in today, weren't you? (laughs) I'm, I'm available. I'll, I can help bring, bring these things down. If you see somebody today with a frown on their face, or somebody sitting alone in the cafe, why don't you do something spiritual today by going and sitting with them and having a cup of coffee with them? Introduce yourself. You say, Pastor Alnott is definitely going into somebody's personal space. Yeah, well, they need it. Every time I go out there and I see somebody sitting alone, I, I want to scream, would somebody pay attention to that person sitting alone? Don't talk about your, about your spirituality unless you're willing to talk about how you're caring for people. Because that, my friends, is where the rubber meets the road. That is what it means to be a Christian. That's what honors Jesus. That's what causes the angels of heaven to sing and rejoice. Very simple, folks. Very, very simple stuff. It's so simple, it's profound. It's profound. Let us stand together and ask God to give us the grace to be spiritual men and women. Father, thank you so much for the small groups that we belong to. God, again, if there's nobody, if there are people here that are not in small groups yet, may they quickly sign up and get connected. Father, we thank you for the revolutionary message of Jesus Christ, who calls us to enter into each other's personal space, to love each other and care for one another so that we may enjoy an intimacy, Lord, that builds us up. Father, give us the grace, we pray, to be truly spiritual men and women who take the time to care for each other, whether it's to speak a word of encouragement, a pat on the back, a handshake, a smile. How are you today? Good to see you today. I appreciate you because, God, help us, we pray, to live out this Christian life that you've called us to live which is so simple, which is all about loving each other. God, save us from a false spirituality, a false sense of spirituality. Save us from that counterfeit spirituality that has nothing to do with following Jesus Christ. Give us the grace and the wisdom to follow after Christ with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength by loving our neighbor as ourselves. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Now, before you go, say to the person beside you, I'm so glad to see you today, with a real smile.